Before we start the show, we just wanted to inform you that we are going to spoil the movie Suicide Squad as well as the series Stranger Things. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Niv. Hi, I'm Martin. And we are Asteroids in Exile. Let's do this! Hello everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Asteroids in Exile, the retake because we recorded all of this last time, and we lost it all, thanks to my computer crashing problem. So here we go again. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today, Martin? Yeah, well, we've just decided to talk about trailers, to do a live trailer commenting feature on this yeah. episode. And we start with a horror movie. Yeah. About <laughs> just, functions. Just for something different. So why, why we're starting with this one is, um, so I saw this trailer... Uh, in front of Sausage Party, I think last week or the week before, and it was probably one of the best, most impactful trailers that I've ever seen. It's It was really cool. So the whole audience was just silent when this trailer was playing before the movie. It was great. And I can understand why they were silent, because uh, seeing this on a big screen surely makes an impact Yeah, with the right sound system. Yeah, and the fact that it's just... The, it, what I loved about the trailer it was it was done like the story. So it sort of sets up pretty much... Um, the story in the movie. So it was. it's like you can watch this and you don't even have to watch... Like, so to a point, it's actually not so good because you don't have to watch maybe the first third of the movie because it pretty much tells you all of that. All of that, uh, yeah. You just don't know how it's going to get resolved in the end, but it's, it just looks so cool, like one of the coolest trailers. So were we actually going to play this while we talked about it? Yep. One, two, three, play. So from the directors of The Evil Dead... Which is a good thing. Yeah. Or was a good thing. Have you seen the series? Evil Dead, no. Yeah. I haven't seen that. It's one of those things that we need to talk about for season two. <laughs> <laughs> and what's going to be our approach? A classic. You know, yeah. that's, what, that was, that's what, what's bothering me about such movies, all the, with her, the stuff with her daughter and setting up uh, the people, because you could easily set up the whole thing in the car ride to the guy's house. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, the cinematography and the colors and stuff look really cool yeah, on this movie. Yeah. Um, the shadows here just look so great. Um, and I love the setup. Like, it's such a mundane, suburban kind of um, start. You know, it's just, you know, people living their lives in a very normal way, which is all how all good horror movies start. Start, yeah. And all the, the, the premise with, with the blind dude. Who's there? Yeah. Right there. Who turns out to be effectively blind cable Deadpool. <laughs> it's the audition tape for, for yeah, cable. I know, right? And that's what he can do in the dark. Yeah. So, like, even when I was watching it in the cinema, um, everyone was kind of just talking and chatting to each other because it's the trailers, right? So you can chat over the yeah. trailers. But when it started to come to this part, everyone just fell silent and they just watched, like, the rest of the trailer. That's yeah, really cool. That, that sequence when he when he walks around, uh, walks along the corridor, with the guy yeah. hides. It looks amazing, but there was a a Swedish or a Finnish movie about a a pregnant uh, woman seeking refuge with an old lady, mm -hmm. and the old lady wants to cut the baby from her. Oh, really? For some occult reason, and uh, the whole movie uh, only plays in the house. It was a really, no, a really great uh, movie, I but I, I forgot the name. 
how old is that now? Like like three or four years. Okay, so it's not like super old. Okay. No, no. I really like this black and white part in this movie. So using like the night vision, so he brings yeah. them all to his level of being blind, except that obviously he's got an edge. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, no, so that was like one of the coolest trailers. And I think the experience of being in the theater and watching it with other people was just amazing. Yeah. Really cool. And I hope they can, they can translate uh, that um, feeling of sus uh, suspicion or... or, or um, Oh yeah, suspense. Well, it it yeah. feels like a like a modern or like a modern thing uh, that Hitchcock would do. Yeah, or an it does. He would have. Yeah, it does feel very Hitchcocky. More, yeah, more more action heavy, but well, uh, more slasher, blood heavy. Because yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in that house, right? Yeah. <laughs> so all right, so that was the Don't Breathe trailer that we watched, and um, it was the official one. So the official trailer HD from Sony Pictures on YouTube. Um, definitely worth checking out. And if you get to see it in the cinemas, even better. Um, so what's the next trailer? You're going to check out uh, The Arrival that the came Arrival. out lately. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, you want to count down. Three, two, one, play. I really like uh, the premise of the, of the movie because I read uh, a book recently called The Guild of uh, Xenolinguists. Mm -hmm. Where you just have people translating uh, alien languages between aliens uh, and oh, right. human and aliens. It's a great book, so I, I dig the idea. But I'm afraid uh, late <laughs> in the movie when when they mention that uh, war has broken out again yeah. or, or attacks. I, I fear that the movie will fall apart. The start of this trailer is great. I mean, this whole setup, like the build-up to the suspense yeah, of what's yeah. going on, the ships and bringing, um, I think it's Amy Adams bringing her yeah. out there to talk to them and stuff is great. What's happening in the last third of the trailer, I have no idea. It's like, oh, okay. I don't understand why war is breaking out. And like, are the aliens sowing division between the different human countries? And if so, how are they doing that? Because they can't talk to us because she's the only one who can translate their language. You know, so I don't understand how that's working. It's just uh, a case of human, uh, human nature. Like, yeah, true. If we can kill it, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the Will Smith approach to diplomacy is. <laughs> but um, the the trailer, this this part's awesome. Yeah, but it's yeah. a bit uh, over over overplayed. Uh, that she just takes her her suit off and just wanders off touching things yeah i mean it's always that situation when you go to a movie like this where you're like you know this thing's probably been here for like the last i don't know a couple days right yeah and this is the first time it's like no one else has thought of doing that but at the same time maybe she is the first one and that's why the movie's about her you know <laughs> so, somebody somebody has to do it first steps but it's it's yeah but I, I'm just hoping it's not like contact where you just go through that whole movie and oh, then yeah. it's like, you know, <laughs> the aliens her father. <laughs> yeah. Like, it'll be interesting to see whether like China and Russia and the other countries involved here are actually learning things that the Americans don't and don't know. And that's why it's becoming such a divisive thing. Yeah, well, the trailer doesn't give, give too much away. Yeah. That's a good thing. Which is good, I mean... Yeah, go on. I'm sorry, that was Forrest Whitaker, the yeah. high-ranked military guy. Ah, nice. Yeah, so that, that, that was good. I mean, visually, it looks like a great movie. Like, they really spent 
it looks like they spent the money where they should have with the special yeah. effects because it looks it looks pretty good. Um, so yeah, so that when does that actually come out though? The arrival. Uh, November eleven. In November. Oh, it's not that so, long. Armistice Day. <laughs> right. <laughs> or is that Remembrance Day? I'm not sure. But yeah. So um, yeah, that that was cool. I think uh, Forrest Whitaker in that role and Amy Adams. Like the cast is pretty good. Yeah, and Hawkeye is in there. As and well. Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. Oh, Jeremy yeah. Renner, yeah. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Cool. Poor man's Jason Bourne. So that's the arrival. So I don't breed and the and the arrival. I don't know. I think they're both kind of on par with uh, for me, you know, in terms of anticipation. I, I want to watch them both, um, but the arrival is obviously going to be a bit more spectacular, just in terms of action sequences. I think. Yeah, um, I have to. I have to admit, I'm looking forward to the arrival more because I'm not that much of a of a horror guy or yeah. a slasher guy. Yeah, for the most part, I don't like slasher movies. But I like a good horror movie, so yeah, yeah. Which means that I, you know, find myself not being able to sleep a lot. But <laughs> <you know. laughs> comes comes with the territory. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to the Rogue One trailer. So give me a countdown. Okay, three, two, one, go. So, I mean, talking about special effects and talking about putting the money where it needs to go. This yeah. whole thing just looks so great. Yeah. It um, feels so episode 4 like. So yeah. Wand on and lived in. It does feel lived in. That's a great way to, to describe it. Like it feels like this this is a world that we're just viewing in on. Um, it's it's updated just a little bit to to like make it uh, a movie that is coming out in 2016, but it's got that yeah. it's got that look and feel which goes right back to the original trilogy, which is so cool. I mean, look at the clothes. Oh, if you look at the of, at the uniforms, they really look like seventeen uh, uh, 70s fashion cuts. Yeah, <laughs> people look like from a long, long time ago, except for the for the armor plating and stuff. That well, that's armor plating if it was done in the seventies. <laughs> and Donnie Yen, I mean, I still think I still think he should have just been a Jedi, you know. But at this point, Jedi. Yeah, but at this point in the story, like the Jedi are being hunted, right? They're pretty much extinct. So yeah, but the Yoda's out there. You have the yeah, that's true. The rebels. Um, the Empire is yes, pretty much at its strongest point when we come yeah. into this movie, right? So yeah. this and going into Episode Four. And it's sad that they didn't use Thrawn. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's coming though, right? Yeah. <laughs> But um, that battle on the beach is like one of going to be obviously the big spectacular action yeah. set piece of this movie, and even here, like it's just it looks so great. I want to see, I want to see those AT-ATs on the beach with the palm trees and everything. It just looks so awesome. Yeah, and I've never thought that a beach could be uh, a great, a great setting for a sci-fi battle for Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's great. I mean, in terms of building up the atmosphere, in terms of um, yeah. really setting the scene and getting the ex expectations and hype ready, yes. Yeah, yeah. And there's so really many cool. nice little touches, uh, like the the other focus uh, jump into uh, into uh, to hyperspeed. Yeah. It's just those little things and and the droid that <laughs> is. Playing. I was going to ask, was that an item for? 
was that an out of focus jump into hyperspace or were my eyes just teary? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. No, it was cool. I mean, it's just, there's so many, there's so much in this trailer that I am trying to avoid watching it over and over again. Really? (laughs) Which is, because I, I, you know, again, coming out of my experience with the first X-Men movie, where I watched that trailer so many times, and then when I saw those scenes in the movie, it was just jarring for me. Um, I do want to just watch this and experience it in context for the first time, you know? Yeah, well, it's it's not that long anymore. It's, It's four months. Yeah, because, you know, like, as soon as she, like, you know, there's that scene where she's on the bridge and she yeah. gets in, uh, and then that TIE fighter kind of rises yeah. up. You know, when I see that in the movie now, as soon as she gets on the bridge, I'm like, oh, the TIE fighter's coming. You know, <laughs> it's going to really take me out of the story. <laughs> perhaps they, uh, they turn it around and Vader will appear in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be cool. That, that Vader, just that last bit of him looking at the map and just the breathing. Really great touch. Yeah. At the end of I that. hope he's not in the movie for too long. Yeah, I mean, it really needs to be their story. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a little bit risky, right? Depending on how this is going to go and fill in that gap that everyone, you know, has so many expectations for. It's kind of like, it's like episode three almost in the sense yeah. that, you know, everybody knows what's going to happen. It's just about seeing how it happens and is that going to be able to satisfy the fan base and make sense to people at the same time. And you know what, what the most interesting uh, thing will be? Uh, the fact that a lot of people don't realize that this is not a continuation of episode 7. Yes, a ca- we're skipping all over the place, right? Yeah. That would, yeah. that would be interesting how many people will walk out of that movie uh, and think, what, what, they brought Vader back? What, isn't it dead? It's like, what is, where's Kylo Ren and uh, Rey <laughs> yeah. and, you know... Where are those guys? It's like this movie made no sense at all. But I guess, you know, the, the, the starting, um, the, the little, um, dis- the starting description with all the words going up the screen, that's going to set the scene for everyone anyway. Yeah. So hopefully people read the whole thing, you know. This is um, not a continuation. <laughs> yeah. Remember episode three? This one follows a little bit after that. And if you've watched Star Wars Rebels, it's even after that. <laughs> yeah, then somebody in the audience, I'm five years old. <laughs> it's like, what? what is all that writing, Dad? Yeah. So. Just see Rebels. <laughs> so, I mean, this is obviously going to be going to be huge when it comes out. So, yeah. uh, release date is December, right? We're still waiting for December for the this 16th? one? 16th. December 16th, yeah. Yeah. So, still a while to go. So, there you go. We actually went in a little bit of a order there for when the trailers are coming out. So, going, going further forward in time then and following on on the Star Wars theme, um, the Star Wars um, Season 3 so for Star Wars Rebels, that trailer was released as well. And we're big fans of Star Wars Rebels in this podcast. So, do you want to do a quick tr- uh, review of that one as well? Yeah, let's do that. Will you count us down? All right, so we're going to look at Star Wars Rebels Season 3 trailer official from the Star Wars YouTube account. Uh, and press play in 3, 2, 1, play. And we hear, as soon as the trailer starts, we hear the Darth Vader's breathing. Yeah. And the goosebumps are coming in. Oh, Kanan. I uh, like the mask. Looks so, so yeah, if, if you haven't seen Season 2, you really have to. Because this picks up, like, probably, I don't know, it feels like a year has gone by. Yeah. I'm afraid it's changing. Um, I'm so... What if Ezra's character development and change over time has just been so cool. And now seeing him stray towards this darker path is going to be really cool. Yeah. 
and it's neat. Uh, the, the new outfits are, are really nice because Kanan looks like uh, more more like a scholar, and and Ezra he, he looks darker. It's the same yeah. colors, but he looks more serious. He looks older, which is like I'm I'm sure they've sort of changed his facial bone structure a little yeah. bit to make him kind of like more grown up. And the haircut is doing doing a lot. Yes, I like the long hair though. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, it took me two uh, two two rounds with the trailer to get used to the to the shorter hair. Yeah, but the shorter hair. I mean, it's a metaphor for uh, you know cutting ties. You know, yeah. it's like um, getting rid of his childish childhood um, self and not now becoming a grown up. Yeah, it's like. Um, like reducing a way to hide himself. Yeah, well, that, that's true too. He's, he's not hiding behind his hair. I really. Like, you, you don't like these those two? No, I don't like Sabine's haircut. <laughs> Alright. Uh, her, her hair's faded. Yeah, like. A, a, it, there seems to be a massive metaphor around hair in this show for season three. Because <laughs> Kanan's got his hair fully covered with a helmet. Ezra's hair's cut, Sabine's hair's faded, does that like mean she's gonna dilute a bit of her personality and become something else as well? Yeah, well, she made contact with the Mandalorians in season two, perhaps. Well, I hope that there will be so maybe it's, a chat pack. Yeah, so maybe season, it's... Obviously. Yeah. So the action in this season just looks just Amazing. off tap as well, like it looks really cool. That show really went a long way. And yeah. there he The one that you've been waiting for. Yeah. Old, old red eyes. Yeah. So. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn. So, really cool in terms of setting up and building out the universe as well. Um, to have another bad guy and not just have so much dependent on Darth Vader. I'm the one in the middle. The Bendu. And it's almost like, this is almost like Avatar, the last Airbender season 3 yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ezra meets the lion turtle. <laughs> it's an interesting factoid, the, the Jedi Knights were called Jedi Bendu in the original draft. Oh right. For, for Star Wars. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, the black blade. The black blade is back. That. Where was that? I've never seen that before. Uh, it was in 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 Rebels. Uh, Pre Whistler had that thing. Oh, okay. And Look, here, her. season one or. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know in which season it's. Because I mean, there's only two seasons. I don't remember it from season two, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, from uh, I'm sorry, not Rebels. Uh, Clone Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch all of Clone Wars. Um. I didn't have access when I was living in China, so I'll, I'll only watch parts of it. It's on. It's so. on Netflix. It's a. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I just haven't gone back. There's just so much in my queue to watch. <laughs> um, I can totally relate to that. Cool. So, uh, something else I was going to say about um, I, f I forgot now, but anyway, it does. It looks great. I mean, um, really excited about this coming season, and it's coming oh. this fall, so it should be starting at any time, really. Yeah, in I mean, three weeks. Uh, September 24th. Oh, cool. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. But you um, know what's bothering me? The Christmas break or, or the long breaks uh, during 
uh, Christmas and Spring that most shows in the US have. Yeah. It takes away so much of the drive that, uh, that so it really need. Yeah, it really breaks the momentum of like, that's why normally I actually, for, for stuff like this, because of that winter break, I like to just wait for all the episodes to come out and then watch them in a binge watch rather than, um, rather than week by week because I just get so frustrated. I wish I had <laughs> I, I tried it with, with season two of Rebels, but it just started so, so great that I, I couldn't do it. I had to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Like they, they showed the first episode in, in, in summer for season, for season two, shortly after the, the celebration event that they, they premiered it. Oh, right. Yeah. It was like two months until the, the actual season started. And so you had to wait two months for episode yeah, two. I couldn't keep myself from, from watching it. Yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, for, for me, Star Wars Rebels is a bit of a comfort show. So I love to watch it on like a Saturday morning, oh, yeah. uh, you know, look with having breakfast or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, so being able to watch two or three episodes in a go while I'm just sort of relaxing on the couch is great. If I had to only watch that 20 minute episode and then wait a week or so for the next one, it would just drive me crazy. Then I'd go and watch like BoJack Horseman or something, but that's too depressing to watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> to watch on a Saturday morning, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it looks awesome. I'm really excited for the action, and you know the the, the show is really um, really smart in the way it's it's organizing the characters and yeah. just that story um, between the light and the dark side and Ezra's struggle. It's being played out really well, I think. Well, yeah. You know, because he's being tempted towards, because he's got the Sith cube, right? Yeah. Or the, the little Sith, is it called the uh, Sith holocron. cube? A holocron. The, yeah, the holocron. So he's got that. Um, and I'm sure Kanan doesn't doesn't know that he's kind of looking at it, kind of like my precious, you know? I guess Kanan knows, you know? I, I've, you think Kanan's... Speculation. I think yeah. Kanan's in the know, now that he's blind. You know, he embraced... He'd be him. able to sense yeah. it, for sure, yeah. 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 So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Ezra's... Because so, I just um, was reminded of, like, the Jedi and the Sith, kind of, like, they have, like, the the the, the oaths or yeah. something. And the, the Jedi's is all about, like, you know, through, you know, not being passionate, through, like, disconnecting myself from it, I find peace. And from, um, you know, so it's like... It, it, it's like more of a Zen thing. Whereas yeah. the Sith one is always like through passion, I find strength through strength. Yeah. I find power through power. I find, you know, glory or victory or whatever it is. And it's like really interesting to see those two different sides, especially when a lot of what Ezra's motivation is around like revenge, um, and stuff for his parents. Right. So yeah. which way is he, you know, does he want to find peace or does he want to find victory? You know, it's yeah, really, the, really interesting. It'll be interesting how the, how the, the the lion turtle <laughs> factors into that <laughs> because he says he's he's in the middle and in 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 clone wars there was the the planet with the the, the force beings the father and the two and the two and his kids yeah i'm looking forward to those explanations because i yeah i, I didn't get <laughs> there's not enough information in the trailer so yeah it'll be interesting it, it, to see how he is that in the books? Like, is that as a part of the Star Wars canon? The, like the, the thing with the with the, the whole planet that's inhabited yeah. by only... Yeah, that's in, in, in Clone Wars. Right. Season three or four. Okay, I really need to go back and watch Clone Wars now. <laughs> yeah, 
they're actually good episodes in that show. I, I was completely dismissive of, of that show until I started watching it in, in order. There's, yeah. Uh, there are some some viewing orders on the net uh, floating around on the on the internet. And then if you, if you watch it in that order, the show really uh, comes into its own. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, were they played out of order on TV? Yes. Or is there a separate order to the actual TV order? No, there's a separate order to the actual TV order, and the oh, right. TV order is is all over the place. It wow. It seems so. So even if I watch it on Netflix, it's out of order, and I've got it's to reorder it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's why do they do that? Yeah, but the the the, the lists are actually curated uh, very well because you have like four or five episodes in a row. Yeah. That that you can watch, and then you jump to another season and watch two three episodes there, jump to another season, and it's only for the first three seasons from from season four everything uh, runs in order right okay and interesting it's, it's all right not that much of a bother all right well, i'll have to look that up then yeah he's <laughs> like i can contend with this this is fine yeah it was totally I mean, awesome i thought when you, up. when you're complaining about the 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 episode orders of a tv show i think you know yeah it's, it's, things are not that bad so no. <laughs> all right um, cool. So, all right, I'll put that on my list then. It'll be my next um, weekend comfort show <laughs> having breakfast or something. Yeah, uh, uh, Clone Wars is really good for that. I always confuse it with Rebels. Yeah, Clone Wars. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was you know, there's a big big Star Wars push coming. So we're going to have the new season coming out of Rebels and then the movie coming out in December, which I'm super looking forward to. Yeah. All right, cool. So the next set, so we'd, we'll just do a quick rundown of the trailers from San Diego Comic-Con because we covered that last time, but we need to recover it again. And we'll just go with sort of high-level impressions, right? Because I think we don't want to go into too much of detail at this yep. stage. So we'll just go down the list. So we'll talk about the Netflix ones first. So there was a Luke Cage trailer. What's your impression of that one? It's amazing. I'm really looking forward to the show. Yeah. yeah. So look, it looks really gritty. It looks really yeah. uh, like you know torn from the streets and the headlines, um, with like the gang war and stuff. It feels a bit small in scope, but I think you know in terms of where the defenders are playing um, yeah. and just Luke Cage's story. I hope it's a more personal story because the um, because the scope feels a bit smaller. Like it's not, and you know he's not trying to save the world. It'll be cool if he's just trying to save himself yeah. or you know somebody else. And have you seen the, there's a new trailer thingy on there where uh, we get a sequence how he could have gotten his powers and he's wearing the tiara as part of the machine he's strapped in. Oh, seriously? Yeah. No, I've not seen that new one. Oh, I giggled like a madman when I saw it. <laughs> it was awesome. Do you think they called it a tiara when they were putting it on him? No, it's probably <laughs> a, a, a psychic uh, stimulation. Yeah, it's probably like some... That some mental brain thing, but yeah. Put on the brain tiara. It looked so <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad they kept it in as a, as a reference at least. That's really cool. Like even with, uh, I think it was um, Age of Apocalypse as well, where um, Wolverine, when he yeah. gets, gets, you know, gets revealed for how he was created and he comes out in that iconic... Um, what do you call that? It's not really uh, a costume, the, but... The Weapon X uh, harness. Yeah, the Weapon X harness. <laughs> um, it's cool when you have those sorts of sequences yeah. that are just like, ah, oh, that's just from the, like, from the comic page. It looks really cool. But um, yeah, so that should be coming out not too far away, I think. And then we've got Iron September. Fist as well. 
So that's in September, which is yep. like, what, a couple days away yep. at this stage. Like, um, I think next week or in two weeks. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So that, that's going to be one, one weekend gone, just watching your yep. cage for sure. Uh, and then Iron Fist. So that comes out... Um, just uh, next not, year. So that's early next year, right? Yeah. Um, the Iron Fist, all, all we saw was really just him punching through a wall, right? Yeah. So Showing I us mean, how doors in Kundlun work. <laughs> they don't have any we don't have doors what is this we don't believe um, in doors only for the dragon yeah so I mean we didn't really see much but we're, we're waiting on more from Iron Fist I think from what we've seen it, uh, you know it's interesting um, yeah. I, I, I need to see more before I get fully excited over it though at least we got the origin story for the iPod <laughs> he's using because I, I think you see it lying in the snow yeah <laughs> so it's, it's playing crash it's been with him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's such a nice detail because I, I gushed all over when I saw that he's using a third-gen iPod. Yeah. And it, it dates the show to, to a certain degree. Well, it does date the show. I wonder if they're going to have music from, like, you know, the, the mid-2000s then while oh, he's using yeah. that iPod. That would be yeah. interesting. So yeah. it's kind of like um, Star-Lord's cassette tapes, you know, yep. his mixtapes. <laughs> so... That's Iron Fist. And then they also had a Defenders teaser, which was just kind of the Defenders title. So, yeah. I mean, not really much to talk about there, uh, except that it was made up from all of their different logos. So, yeah. Yeah, and they, they played Watch the space. in the background. So is it Come As You Are, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice. Um, yes. Yeah. It's got that grungy grittiness to it, which is cool. So, you know, it's like the grown-up Avengers, you know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> with, with Kurt Cobain music in the background. Yeah, because it's no Generation X. So, you know, as a random story, I went to, uh, on Monday night, uh, Pearl Jam played here in Chicago. So oh, I went nice, to yeah. uh, the Pearl Jam concert. Um, and it was a very Gen X crowd. It yep. was pretty cool. Because obviously, like, anyone who's, like, in their 20s, that I spoke to about going to the Pearl Jam concert, they really didn't seem very interested because they were like, oh, you know, yeah. we, we, Pearl Jam is like classic rock, right? Um, but all the people there were, were like obviously Gen X and every second person around us was smoking pot. So I got really? like the biggest contact high from that concert. <laughs> it was crazy. And it's interesting. I worked on, on three Pearl Jam gigs mm -hmm. and backstage, nobody was smoking pot. Well, not... Obviously. Well, I would hope that backstage wasn't, but the audience here in Chicago, there was, was a lot of pot in the air, let me tell you. Um, was it the same tour? So I, I, don't, I don't even remember the name of the tour that Pearl Jam had. Um, I don't know. I, I worked uh, the last time I saw Pearl Jam as, an, uh, as part of my professional life was in uh, 2012 or 2013. Oh, right. Okay. So the while. Yeah, this latest one was cool. I mean, they played Wrigley Field, uh, and it was packed out. There must have been like 50,000 people there, yeah, so yeah. it was huge. It's the same um, Three gigs, all sold out. Wow. Really cool. They, they, they were pretty good. The sound quality, like watching, watching, um, watching a concert in Wrigley Field when you're kind of like in the stands where we were, because we had not so much cheap seats, because tickets yeah. were super expensive, um, but the sound, the sound wasn't great. So I'd, l I'd love to be in, in like the mosh pit. I'd love to be up the front in general admission uh, where the sound would be much better. Yeah. But I'm just too small because I would get trampled down there. That's strange. I mean, I was at a lot of metal concerts in my youth. 
And mm -hmm. I remember mosh pits being very civilized back then. At the start oh, really? of the gig, I dropped my glasses. And yeah. immediately, immediately I had a, a, my personal force field of people who carried really? a perimeter so I could look for my glasses. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And afterwards, we moshed on. I was going <laughs> to say, is that... Back in the 90s. <laughs> we were also like um, civilized yeah. and uh, caring for, for one another. Yeah. <laughs> and like... then I, was at, uh, I worked at a Devil Driver gig years ago. It was in, in, in 2007. Mm -hmm. And somebody in the mosh pit kept punching people unconscious. What? Yeah, nothing was done. They were just thrown aside to the to the first aid responders. <laughs> and that's oh, that's crazy. Thought, well, that's that, those are mosh pits today. I'd yeah. be dead by <laughs> if I had the mosh pit today. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that that just sounds crazy. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what I'm scared of. That's what I'm scared Only of. Only sharks out there. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> I mean, clownfish just. <laughs> and we don't have any any coral to hide behind you know much yeah. that's the problem <laughs> the chairs are our coral uh, our coral when we are in the stands that's why we're, we're happy to just stand there and have the safety net to sit down when things get too much <laughs> oh well all right cool so <laughs> so that was the netflix trailers um then there was the dc trailers that came out of comic con as well so uh wonder woman Yep. was the trailer that stole the show for me from the DC side. That was just super cool, super awesome to see. To see the, the way they put the action sequences together, um, her fighting style, we get to see all of the cool stuff. So we saw the lasso, we saw the sword and the shield, the gauntlets, you know. Yeah, it certainly built some confidence. Uh, built some confidence. <laughs> until the news came out earlier this week that there's a little bit of background um, issues. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think, you know, double check the details around this, but I heard that they were doing some rewrites or reshoots or something like that for some parts of it. So hopefully that's not a bad sign. I mean, reshoots in itself is not a bad no, thing. No, part of the contract anyway. So. Well, it's it's a part of the process of making a movie, yeah. right? Um, but recently, when you look at Suicide Squad and stuff like oh, yeah. that, yeah. Um, reshoots have been a, um, a harbinger for bad output at the end of yeah. the process. So let's hope that Wonder Woman continues uh, to look and come out as good as we expected to. So it's the one I'm most excited for still out of the yeah. DC movies. Yeah. The Justice League trailer looked all right. I mean, they didn't really show us all that much, but I mean, they, they showed all of the characters and stuff like that, but I hope that it's not, um, it's not a full letdown. <laughs> no, and the, and the trailer felt more like uh, like a response, like something they they just uh, they made up in a hurry to to show at uh, at Comic Con, just to 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 show some progress or some progress in a certain direction. And it was almost like to save face a little bit, like you know yeah. we know we're getting a lot of bad press and a lot of bad reviews from all the other movies. <laughs> so hey, look, we're still in the game, and we we've still got all this cool stuff coming down. So don't lose hope. So. Yeah. For that effect, I think it worked. I think the Justice League trailer looked very good. It's, it inspired a lot of confidence. Yes. Um, and it got, because I'm excited for it, I'm just, you know, I've still got that caveat that I hope that it doesn't just fall apart at the seams. Because again, we've got Zack Snyder behind this and, you know. Yeah, but, you know, I guess he he has to, um, to change his tone, so to say. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, I don't know what it is. I think if you watch the DC movies as a fan, so Suicide Squad was a, was a mess from 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 a movie making point of view. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, the characters were not used as well as they could have been. There were characters in there that were just wasted. Um, I mean, this is you know, did we do a Suicide Squad review? I don't know, but um, we did the review, but it was shortly afterwards that the recording. Oh, so we we actually should have yeah. So in the in the the last time we went extensively and sort of talked about what Suicide Squad was like, right? Um, and it wasn't all that great. I mean, it was a mess. Characters were wasted, like we said, and um, they had. A, but there was so much of potential with the story. There was so much of potential with the characters that it could have been really cool the way they pulled it together. Uh, except it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, and. They tried to make it funny, like they tried to capitalize off like Deadpool success and like make it quirky and have Harley Quinn have cool one-liners. But half the time, like when I watched it in the cinema, people didn't even laugh at half the yeah. jokes. Like they just fell flat. Um, and the whole movie was like that. It's kind of like, oh, let's just put this line in out of context and out of nowhere. And then it just doesn't work. So I hope that they don't do something similar with Justice League. Like, I hope they don't just try to recut the movie to make it something that it's not supposed to be. Like, if they're going to go with that Zack Snyder vision of making it dark and stormy and super serious and, you know, self-internal story and self-assured, they should just yeah. go ahead and do that. Don't try to make it something else. Yeah. Because Batman v Superman, for what it was, outside of the context of, like, the Marvel movies and... Um, what happened with Deadpool and how cool that was. If you just watch Superman vs. Batman or Batman vs. Superman by itself, it kind of works as a movie. It's not a great, you know, it's not perfect. It's got this hour and a half long build-up <laughs> to a fight that, you know, you're like, I still don't understand why they're fighting. Yep. But it kind of works. And so you could, you know, I think Batman v Superman had the, um, I'm starting to forget English now, uh, but Batman v Superman actually worked, I think, as a story. Where Suicide Squad, because it was so chopped up and messed about, just didn't work. I think that Batman vs Superman didn't work as a story because there is just too, there are too many contradictions. Yeah. Uh, on on itself, but you know we could do, we could write books about that and and yeah. cinematography. But what works for the DC movies is that the uh, the cinematography feels more intimate than mm -hmm. in the Marvel movies. I feel a bigger distance between me and Captain America in a Marvel movie than I feel between me and Superman in a in a DC movie or Batman. I, yeah. I've, uh, I don't know how 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 else to put it, and that could work. That's a that's the biggest strength for the for the DC movies for me mm -hmm. right now. It feels more more intimate. I feel uh, closer to the character. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel the same for the Netflix shows? To a certain degree, uh, I mm. think when uh, in this. Uh, Daredevil is the first thing that that came to mind because when when he's Matt Murdock, the show feels much more airy. The shots feel wider than when mm -hmm. he's Daredevil, where I really think that everything that goes on on screen is an is an extension of the character, and and the camera stays close to him. Right. It's a, it's an interesting one. I think the color palette as well as the the, the camera adds to that. Yeah. Um, The Marvel movies like Civil War and Avengers and stuff, they've got a very much a comic book sheen to them. Yeah. Like it's bright, it's colorful. That is clearly not a world that easily um, fits in with our world. 
yep. you know, because of it's got that distance, like you said. Um, whereas I think the way that the DC movies and, and even the Netflix series, it's more gritty. The colors yeah. are not as hyper saturated as the Marvel cinematic movies. So it's an, it, it is cool. And I think that is one of the strengths, you know, that's one of the things I liked about Batman v Superman. And for me, the Batman movies always work well when they're a bit darker, you know, yeah. so not, yeah. not the Joel Schumacher movies. Yeah. So, so that was, that makes sense. And I think it really does draw you in, I think. Yeah. Um, when it's dark, because it could, you can relate to it a lot better, I think. And that's that's perhaps uh, the reason why the Jessica Jones series could have uh, worked better with less episodes, because she has no she has no alter ego. It's it's uh -huh. always her. There is no there's no change in in what you just described. It's not like Daredevil that when he's uh, Matt Murdock, you could you can use uh, another color palette, uh, mm -hmm. another set of lenses to really emphasize that he's out of the costume. Yeah. And so with Jessica Jones, you always have the the close-up, so to say. It centers around the psychological uh, issue of abuse. Yeah. Also, which is which is which is something that needs to be like you can't have that story and have a, a distance between the audience and the character no, no, either, no, right? You, you so it needs to be close up. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how they do Luke Cage then, because he's in that similar situation. He doesn't yeah. wear a costume. He is Power Man, no matter where he is, right? Yeah. So. I wonder how they will do that. I mean, it kind of feels like it's a very, um, it's, you know, a street gangster type of storyline. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see whether they do comic book conventions or whether they will do kind of that organized crime type movie conventions with the, with the way they, they do the show. Yeah. Very exciting. That's cool. So um, that's pretty much it, I think, when it comes to the, uh, the trailers that we talked about, right? Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, I mean, I don't think there's anything more to say about that. No, I think everything has been said. Did, did yeah. we talk about um, the whole thing that they should have centered the movie about uh, around Rick Flag and introduce making for Suicide Squad? Yeah, did we talk about that last week? Um, I don't know uh, because because my thing is they didn't need Rick Flag in that movie. They should have just had Deadshot as the main character. Yeah, because Rick Flag's character and Deadshot's character was so similar, there was no need for both of them. Yeah, well, Deadshot got the better actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. So what's what, what's your idea around Rick Flag and centering the movie around him? Uh, they should have introduced him as a uh, you know having screwed up in in a in a war situation as a soldier and uh, being sent to prison for it and introduced the Suicide Squad uh, through through him because in 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 the comics he's the not the ultimate soldier but he's a, a, a he believes in in the military uh, and and the honor and stuff and. Mm -hmm. um, that could have been the, the anchor to center the Suicide Squad around. You know, have yeah. this moral, intact person that's trying to, to say... Has, has to work with these, ba with these bad guys and villains yeah, yeah. to and, do uh, something and good. And humanize them through that. Because not, uh, he shouldn't have given them... You know, he, he, he has to work with, 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 what's, with what he's got. He's got. And mm -hmm. so he, he doesn't give them crap, but tries to, to utilize them. Yeah. And, you know, make them feel more human yeah so i think that that would have been again you know talking to the potential that the that, yeah. that the suicide squad movie had a great way to frame that so if rick flag was a kind of a disgraced soldier but has very strong like moral and ethical center and he's trying to redeem himself for something bad that he did by joining you know by being a part of the suicide squad and so yeah so he's he's the viewer's entry point into this team of established villains 
who are already established to be working together, that would have been really cool. Yeah. So he, he, he's the new person in the team and he needs to, he needs to harmonize his feelings around working with a bunch of villains to do something good. That would have been a cool story. And in the process, like you said, so seeing their humanity and seeing almost the part of the monster that's in him and, and they, they come to an understanding between each other. Yeah, that would have been great. Would have been much more interesting than, oh, my, my, my girlfriend's a witch and I've got to... I've got to stop her. You know, like it just, it felt like that whole thing was so contrived. And that's the other point too. It's like, if you, so I, I, I read a comment, I don't think it was on Twitter or something, but you know, they assemble the suicide squad. Amanda Wallace uh, assembles the suicide squad to be the force that they could call on. If Superman or a yeah. Superman like creature ever got out of control and you're like, really? really a crocodile guy, this is the team you put together. Like surely you'd find a bunch of better, powered people you know because some of their powers are pretty lame like harley quinn's just human right uh deadshot's just human i mean he's got a superhuman ability i guess when it comes to like aim but otherwise it's just human um same with captain boomerang like they're all just physically would not be able to put up with superman i think even as a team yeah unless they're gonna fire a kryptonite so unless everyone else is gonna distract superman and deadshot's gonna fire a kryptonite bullet at him i don't know how that yeah, how, how, how that works. Yeah, well, they had the, the supernatural belly dancer. The so the witch... Well, Enchantress by herself maybe could have contended with Superman, right? But she's also out of control. That's it. Um, <laughs> because Superman is not impervious to magic attacks. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. So he is vulnerable to magic. That was... Just, uh, that was um, I, I remember that clearly established in the Smallville TV series, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a fact. Well, in yeah. the comics, I don't know if it, it's... In the movie universe as well. Well, in the movie universe, Enchantress is the first magic character they've had. Oh, yeah, so that we encountered, yeah. Yeah, so that, that will be the first time. So, it, And it's interesting. So the other one, I think he's also not impervious. Just skipping back to Justice League. Aquaman, yeah? To Aquaman's trident. So Aquaman's trident can pierce his skin, apparently. So that's, that's the other cool thing. So I'd love to see that fight. Because Aquaman... Movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. So I mean, because Aquaman's super-powered, and he's got the trident, which could actually... Uh, it's effectively like the lance that Batman creates, the kryptonite lance in the first movie. Yeah. The, the trident serves a very similar purpose, you know, except that it's not made out of kryptonite. And it would be interesting if he's impervious, uh, if he's vulnerable to nth metal as well, because we have Hawkeye in the Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, the TV shows are not connected with the, with the no. movies. Okay. That's, That's why we got two flashes. Yeah. <laughs> do we just so they have released the images and we've seen that in the trailer as well for the characters what do you think like if we just go to, go down the line what do you think of the look and feel of the characters so with the flash start with the flash the flash looks like iron man to a certain degree mm. yeah it's it's Not very much a like a like an exoskeleton yeah armor compared to just a flash suit which comes out of a ring you know yeah it could it could work it could totally work i'm just not on board with with Ezra Miller. Oh, really? Uh, and how how he's written? I prefer Grant Gustin. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I've only seen like three episodes of the Flash TV show, but I think he's a. a so you've seen player. about as much of Grant Gustin as you've seen of Ezra Miller. Of Ezra Miller, yeah. <laughs> They're on par. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, he screams Barry. Grant Gustin just screams Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. louder than, than Ezra Miller to me. Than Ezra Miller, yeah. But Ezra Miller is, is it's another it's another kind of flash. Like the, the, the conversation he has with Batman about not having any friends, uh, any friends and needing mm-hmm. 
social contact. Let's see how that plays out. Yeah. But at the moment... I'm a Flash TV series fan, so I'm quite, um, I'm quite used to Grant Gustin as the yeah. Flash. Um, and I think he's a, he's a good Flash. I really like him. Um, I think Ezra Miller is going to bring something very different to that. So it's like, you know, your alternate version of Barry Allen. Um, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going it's to be refreshing, I think. Um, Ezra Miller in the trailers, just with the way that he approached the character. I hope they don't make him too funny. Yeah. You know, because he's not, he's not supposed to be like the, com the comedian. But... I think it's going to bring something different to Barry Allen, which is going to which is going to make that team work. And I think that's really the role of the Flash in a lot of the Justice League is to really be the heart of the team, yeah. because they're all so you know self righteous and self serious. <laughs> He's the one that's kind of like, hey guys, you know, we just need to just look at you know get some perspective here, you yeah. know, especially with the team. Like even you know, <laughs> Cyborg just looks. He's like he's going to be very dark. Yes. I, we didn't really see much of Cyborg, but, you know, he's got a lot of emotional weight and uh, trauma associated with that character, even from from the way they've shown his uh, creation on the yeah. trailers. So I don't think he's going to be a, he's going to bring a lot of levity to the movie and especially yeah. the way Zack Snyder is going to do <laughs> with Zack oh. Snyder style. Because Cyborg in like Teen Titans is a comedian, like he's a funny character. Yeah. Um, he's playing video games with, with Beast Boy, you know, on on their off time. I don't see this cyborg doing that. Yes, with the origin, you can only, with tragic origin, I should say, because, you know, he's only half a half a person. Yeah. Well, he's not even, he's like a third of a person, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's got new, new, new genesis or new God technology in him. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely, he's literally more machine than man at that yeah. point. And more alien than, than human as well. That's a, a, a source for drama, so to say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you could, with the team, um, or with him being in the, in the Justice League, you could lessen, lessen the load uh, of his troubles over time, so to say. So perhaps he, he has an arc in, in the movie yeah. to, to put his, his new physiology to use. With the and team. that's good. That's going to be the challenge of the movie, right? Yeah. You've got five major characters all being introduced at effectively the same time, yeah. except for Batman and Superman, I guess. Um, and to an extent, Wonder Woman. But how do you make sure that they each have, and you know, not even so much enough screen time, but enough of a character arc that the movie makes sense? Or you're just yeah. going to have token scenes with Aquaman saying funny stuff, or being like Carl Drogo in the background while <laughs> the rest, while the main story plays out. You know. So awesome. that's that's what I hope it doesn't become. Yeah. So so far so good, but hopefully you know we don't. Um, we don't have another Suicide Squad situation. No, I don't think so. I think it would, you know, Suicide Squad was already a bit better than Batman vs. Superman, a bit more watchable, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's, it's a role they'll be taking. I think they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll get stronger with, with every movie. Well, I hope they, they learn from their mistakes. I, yeah. I know there's some sort of background um, production changes with the movies, like the producer and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think they, they brought in some, some new people. So hopefully that that brings in some of that outside perspective and they're able to steer the movie to be, yeah. um, the movies to be just a little bit better in terms of quality. Because like one thing that's missing from all of these DC movies so far is just the level of action. There's like not a lot of action in the movies. Even like, so Batman v Superman was just a lot of, um, you know, intense staring back and forth for the first, at least two thirds of the movie and all the yeah. action was in the last third. And then, um, 
even with Suicide Squad, there wasn't a lot of action in, in, that, in that movie. No, and the action was against those uh, minions yeah. that the Enchantress had or transformed the, the, the people into. And it was very anticlimactic. Even yeah, when you... with El Diablo and, and her brother, wasn't mm -hmm. that... that I liked, yeah, I liked El Diablo's transformation in Suicide Squad. But I think, yeah, it, it, it just felt like it was, it was too quick and came out of nowhere and then it was over before you fully got to appreciate what was going on. Uh, Like it just felt like a video game cutscene sequence, you know. So absolutely, and then they and then they killed El Diablo. Yeah, when the, when the character got well, interesting is perhaps a too too strong a word, but just just when you're like, okay, now I see how this is a cool character, but yeah. he's dead. You know, <laughs> spoiler warning, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we could just we'll we'll, we'll do a spoiler spoiler warning introduction before the. <laughs> Before the show. I write that down. So the standouts for me, I mean, just to wrap up Suicide Squad was um, Amanda Waller. I thought Viola Davis in that role as Amanda Waller was just yep. great. Um, she was probably the most intense and well, well-rounded out character. And I think that was all down to the way Viola Davis portrayed the character. Yeah. Giving her some depth and, you know, from an acting point of view, it was really good. Yeah. Will Smith was pretty good as Deadshot. Harley Quinn, uh, Margot Robbie, I thought was good, but I thought it was over overuse of the puns and overuse of the one-line catchphrases. Yeah. Um, which kind of came out of nowhere as well. So it felt really like, it didn't feel organic when she just started calling Mr. J and Puddin and stuff like that because you didn't see how that came about. It's like telling an inside joke, but not really being on the inside. Yeah. You know? So that felt a bit contrived. But otherwise, I thought Harley Quinn was pretty cool. I'd, I'd like to see more of Harley Quinn. And a story with Harley Quinn and the Joker together, because Jared Leto's Joker was good. He just didn't have anything to do in the movie. So I'd like to just see, I'd like to see the movie, which is how the Joker turns uh, Harley and Quinzel into Harley Quinn. You know, yeah. like a, that would be like a psychological thriller type movie. That would be yeah. really cool. Well, there was this... I hope it's it's still in planning, but they plan to introduce Green Arrow through a, a, a Supermax movie. All oh, right. Yeah. And I think Heath Ledger was already, or did already sign to play the Joker in, in that movie as well. And it was Oliver Queen in, in prison with all the, the DC uh, super villains. villains. Yeah. Oh, wow. So is that like a, like a breakout, yeah. uh, like breaking out from Arkham Asylum or yeah. or the jail or whatever it is? That would have been cool. Would have been a, a great movie. Sad that this that this thing didn't happen. Yeah, I mean the Joker is an interesting character, so they could do so much with it. Let's just yeah. hope again, you know, that they don't just flush it down the toilet. <laughs> Not with this Joker, I think. You don't like the Jared Leto Joker? No, it's, you know, his and and Harley's story is basically um, it's not an an empowering story that people wanted to see, mm -hmm. but it's it's another anti-feminism thing because she's she's a victim and he obviously hands her hands her around like a like a trophy in, in, the, yeah. in the bath and so i i, I mean it's it's totally okay to to show it that way but when the joker breaks her out of, of prison at the end i wish harley would have resisted mm -hmm. uh, the attempt or, or even foiled it to set up the the next story would have been much more interesting For, for her character as well, because I thought uh, Harley Quinn was, was totally misused uh, in, in this movie. If she, if she uh, wouldn't have been in the squad, nothing would have changed. 
Yeah. She she brought nothing to the movie. Even Captain Boomerang brought more to the movie by pointing <laughs> out that every time she opens her mouth, uh, it's like a knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think you know. To again, it goes back to that point where there was so much potential, but they just totally mis Mister, misdid yeah. the whole thing, um, which is what made it such a mess. Because um, the Joker just comes off looking like one, you know, just a really obsessed boyfriend because all he does in the movie is try to get Harley back yeah. and at the same time like you said treats Harley like a possession that he's trying to get back you know yeah. like it's not it doesn't come across as a love story really there are there are hints at it yeah but it doesn't come across as that it's kind of like he's trying to get his property back and he's obsessive about that and she's you know she's just going to go back to him no matter what well, no matter what he does yeah um so yeah it's not it's not great um, with that relationship, and that's why I would like to have seen that redone as you know as something else. Yeah. Because um, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty messed up love story, even if it is a love story. But you know, we've seen natural born killers and you know all those crazy love stories that do exist. So I yeah, can. Yeah, it comes you know, with the it comes with the characters. Can't yeah. be uh, a regular thing. I'm aware of yeah. that. But <laughs> but you can still empower them, and you can still make them kind of like make sense to each other and to a yeah. story, you know, not just be random. Because the Joker just showed up randomly. He really did, had no reason to be in that movie. No. If, if like, I was, I was waiting for the point where in Joker trying to get back Harley, he also recognizes the danger that Enchantress is providing yeah. and begrudgingly joins forces or contributes to taking down Enchantress. That would have made sense. Yeah. But again, he was just there as an agent of chaos, so just doing random things, which didn't contribute to the end story, yeah. right? Which would have worked if it was the Heath Ledger Joker, right? Which didn't yeah. have any tie to Harley Quinn, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, because he had this massive tie with Harley Quinn, he didn't also show any care for Harley Quinn. And there's no point in saving her if the world's going to come to an end. Because what's the point of us being together if everything's going to end anyway? I don't know. Yep. And they didn't even explain, I don't think, I, I don't remember them explaining. No, there, there was n no no explanation. The only thing he was good for was deactivating the the, 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 the collar that they use. Oh, he the deactivated them, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he got the code for, for that one. But Yeah, but that was also in his own self-interest. And it was like, it wasn't again to, yeah, yeah, to like, he didn't reach a point where he's like, either I would have liked the Joker to have said, I don't care that the world's going to burn. I just want you. That would have made sense from a Joker point of view, because then it would explain his motivation for why he continuously goes after Harley and doesn't help. Or he should have said, I want you back, but there's no point in getting you back if we're all going to die anyway, so let me help. Yeah. You know, so those two things would have made sense. But he didn't go in either of those directions. He just kind of randomly showed up and didn't have anything to do with anything. So I don't know. Yeah. Just, just didn't work for me. No. All right. So that's Suicide Squad, you know, see it at your own risk and, you know, enjoy it for what it is, because... It's not going to be Shakespeare. <laughs> no. All right. So, shall we move on to some other movie reviews now? Yes. Um, so, let's just... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do these at the higher level. Um, I think I saw Sausage Party, which was very adult, so don't take your kids to watch this, obviously. But um, that was funny. It was very funny. It was kind of awkward and uh, uncomfortable sometimes with some of the jokes, but it was pretty cool. Have you seen that? No, uh, but I've seen I've seen the trailer and I've heard people talk about it. And the interesting thing is that it it seems to to have a very philosophical premise. Oh yeah, I mean even in the movie, it's it's surprisingly intellectual in some parts. Yeah. It's got some interesting commentary on current events as well. So 
And that was the interesting thing uh, to hear people who are more who like cerebral movies discuss uh, discuss Sausage Party. Yeah, no, I was very surprised. Like, I went in expecting a really brainless kind of Seth Rogen movie, um, but it's surprised with the <laughs> with the with the depth of commentary it had. Uh, I, I thought it was quite funny. Oh, nice. I mean, and it wasn't even commentary. It was more satire, really. But at the same time, it was it was funny just to see them go into that territory. It made the movie very interesting, very watchable. But also, it's a bit of a bait and switch because you go in expecting a brainless movie. Oh, yeah. Right? Then the first two-thirds of the movie have this kind of quasi-intellectualness um, about it with the way that it's talking about like current events and the different types of foods in the food aisle and like belief of what happens to them when they leave the store versus what the reality of what happens to them when they leave the store is. Yeah. That part's really funny. And then the last third of the movie takes another left turn and just goes into a completely different direction. So you got to watch that just to see it because I mean, you've probably heard what happens at, at towards the end of the movie, but it's in itself something that's like, Oh my God, I can't believe they just went there. But you, you, you just you just know that you know, you forget that they were gonna go there when you watch the movie, yeah. and then they go there, and then you're surprised that they went there. So it's done really okay. well. Like as a movie, Sausage Party is really good. It sounds it sounds amazing. I really recommend it. Like I mean, watch it. It's a it's a it's a it's it's a roller coaster ride yeah. for sure. <laughs> and and that's where I saw the don't the don't breathe trailer. So if you watch Sausage Party, you get to watch the don't breathe trailer in the cinema and get to experience it with everyone. So it's really cool. Okay. That was great. And then I also saw Kubo and the Two Strings, which was just phenomenal. I'll give yeah. it like nine out of 10. Like it was, I really enjoyed it. If you like, if you liked like Avatar, The Last Airbender, yeah. and um, it's a very, it's a very sweet, touching story. Like it's, yeah. you know, the Kubo and the story of his parents. It's got that mystical, Eastern mystical kind of vibe. You know, it's set in, in that world. Um, really good, really good movie. Nice because I heard uh, only good things, and the animation is superb. I heard because it's uh, it's is this a stop motion movie? Yeah, so it was done by by Leica, who did uh, Coraline yeah. and the Box Trolls as well, and they it was stop motion, and they pre three D printed um, the facial expressions and stuff. Amazing. I think they had something like forty eight million facial expressions for this for this movie, which they blended together. Digitally, so it was a combination of stop motion with digital effects. When you first start watching it, it is a little bit jarring, yeah. just to sort of get used to it. But once you get used to it, it's um, it's great. Like just the experience and the way they put things together, you don't you don't think it's stop motion. It looks so realistic because it's it is stop motion. So those those are actual real figures and stuff. And then in the in the credits at the end, they just give you a little bit of a glimpse for how they did the puppetry stop motion and it, it they just give you a small glimpse and it's done really well because as they're doing it like the curtains close like you they they're showing you a glimpse but you're not supposed to see behind the yeah. scenes it's really cool Amazing. um and, and then you realize it's like oh my god that was actually like they actually built all those things that we just saw and those weren't just computer animation you know amazing yeah in a, in a time where everything is done with cgi yeah it's great so see. definitely i mean it's great to go take take the kids and stuff as well. So like I recommended it to my sister for my niece and nephew. Um, I think they'd really enjoy it. And some great action as well. Like there's two or three good action set pieces there. Amazing, yeah. So yeah, really cool. Cool. Um, have you seen anything else? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't watched anything new. Did you watch the BFG? <laughs> 
Did we say we t- we talk about it? Because that was a depressing movie after after the uplifting after your uplifting review of of Kubo. Now we bring Kubo. it right back down. Oh my god! I mean, it's not a bad movie. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like Steven Spielberg lost. Uh, I don't want to say talent because the movie looks great. The score by John Williams is is great. Um, it has good ideas at the beginning, at least because the f- the first. 15 min 15 minutes 10 15 minutes are, are very good mm-hmm. and then you see the you feel the, the the Spielberg magic because he plays with with scale and to me Spielberg always um his trademark thing was large stories that mm-hmm. could have broken the bound easily broken the boundaries in which they were told remain in those boundaries like like in ET mm-hmm. where he could have he could have shown shown that with a much wider scope like a, a nationwide search for the alien but it was always uh centered around the kids yeah yeah and and that would have worked for for the bfg as well but as soon as the the scope of the movie widens it falls it falls apart you lose that connection with the characters right yeah and i mean um, i i didn't watch the bfg but I've heard how, where the story goes, and I read it when I was like, I want to say like 10 years old or something, so I can't okay. remember the details, but I, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit um, surprised to hear that the military gets involved in all of these sorts of things, you know? The military gets involved, there are no shots fired, because I thought the military would just go in mm-hmm. and, and... Mow them down. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't, that's also... So uh, it's not a Michael Bay movie. No, it's no, no. <laughs> You know he has to do the Transformers, but Michael yeah. Bay's BFG would have, would have been. Yeah, I want to see that. It, it'll be like Pacific Rim yeah. with the BFG <laughs> character. Yeah, and I'm always joking that I watched. Uh, do you know the video game Doom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always joke that I watched Doom too when I went to see the BFG. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody nice. got that joke. <laughs> it's also very. Um, I haven't read or I haven't read the book. Are there also only five other giants in in addition to the BFG? Yeah, I can't remember now. Like it was oh, okay. so long ago for me. So because I wish they would have introduced more. You know, at least show a, a bit. Show of the a... giant. So the world building for the for the for the giant world like wasn't wasn't no, good or there, there isn't there, there is no world uh, to build on. There is a there are hints to how it came. To be, to be in the state that they that it is in the movie, but it's not explored any thir- any further. It, right. You know, it feels like nobody has it. But then, the movie centers about dreams and dream logic at a certain mm-hmm. point. And as a dream, it's perfect. If right. you, if you've dreamt the movie, that would, great. would have been awesome. Because then it doesn't need to make complete sense. Sense, yeah. <laughs> and all the kids that were in the audience. Uh, with us were amazed by the movie as well and really really energetic uh-huh. and i think that's the the redeeming quality of the movie that it taps into some part of our of our childhood yeah but like with suicide squad i saw so much i saw so or i wanted it to be so much more i don't know uh, since saving private ryan spielberg has lost some of his of his magic yeah and not because so. of the subject matter because i think saving private ryan is a is a good movie but it's not a good spielberg movie it doesn't yeah feel spielbergian so to say yeah, yeah i think i mean spielberg to me at his best was like you said et and jurassic park i mean i yeah. jurassic park's on netflix 
I think it actually goes off Netflix in September, yeah. so September the 1st. So it's only, you know, today is effectively the last day if you want to watch Jurassic Park and Netflix, I think. Um, and I rewatched that recently, and it is such a great movie. Like yeah. Jurassic Park, I just love that movie so much, um, the first one. And that scene where the T-Rex comes out when the kids are in the car, and um, Sam Neill and um, Jeff, Goldblum Jeff Goldblum are in the car behind them. One of the most, I think, to me, one of the most perfect scenes in cinema. Yeah. I just love it. It's really cool. And even if um, the CGI wouldn't, uh, wouldn't hold up to today's standards, it would still be a, a great movie and, and, a great, oh. and a great scene. But the thing is, the CGI does because yeah, they, they use like, they use practical effects, right? So yeah. they actually had like real um, ro robotic <laughs> T-Rexes yeah. yeah. and stuff in there <laughs> and mixed in with the CGI, like yeah. for, just as, well, that was like, um, it was 1993, right? Jurassic yeah. Park. It's just, um, you know, you, you watch it now and it's still, it's still amazing. amazing. It's still amazing to watch. Really cool. And, but that was like the Spielberg. That was like, I think the, the, the best, uh, yeah. style of Spielberg for me. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think he, he hasn't sort of made anything that's really gone back to that, that kind of style. Cause it's all about the wonder and the awe of the world, you know? Yes. And that's those scenes where even in Jurassic Park, the first one, when they see the Brontosaurus for the first time, when Sam Neill and Laura Dern, you know, when they drive up in the Jeep and they see yeah. it, he doesn't show you the dinosaur. He shows you their faces yeah. reacting to the dinosaur, to the dinosaur you know? Yeah. And then, and then after you see that, that's almost like, you know, building up the tension yeah. and then, and then you see it really, really awesome. Like a very well blocked out scenes. And that's, um, the same thing happens in the in the first few minutes of the BFG, right? The sense of wonder, the sense of scale, the the, the gentleness and the consideration mm -hmm. that the BFG has to to utilize to yeah. walk through uh, London mm -hmm. uh, in the movie, and all that falls apart as soon as people start uh, opening their mouths and, and really and kick the story off, so to say. At, at least for me, it's a great movie for kids. Mm -hmm. It did not click as well with me as I hoped it would. Yeah, I think from a, from a box office point of view as well, like it wasn't as great as it oh, really? was expected to be. Yeah. Oh, because it got so many good reviews, I thought it would be it would make money. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we could need to, to double check that. But from, from from what I remember, I don't think it kind of killed the boss box office. Oh. You can look that up because I'm not going to play with my Chrome so it doesn't crash again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no! If you if we believe box office mojo, it made 153 million dollars worldwide with an estimated production budget of 140 million. So it just kind of just just about broke even. Yeah, but, but that's I don't exclusive know if... of marketing budget. Yep. Because mm. marketing is 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 almost like another hundred million on top of that, potentially depending man, on how. Squad had like 500 millions marketing alone. I've I've heard. Really? Yeah. Wow. Can't believe a half a that's ridiculous. What? And that's why, like um, Kubo, I actually went with a friend who didn't want to see it because he's to him it just didn't look good. Yeah. Uh, and he still complains that the movie was great, but the marketing sucked because he only watched it after we explained, you know, after another friend explained to him what the movie was about and you know how they made it and stuff like that. Because so um, yeah, because Kubo had I think in Chicago they've got a couple of billboards yeah. of just Kubo and the two strings with. Uh, some pictures of the characters and s some people didn't find that very compelling so yeah you have no marketing in austria I really mean, yeah i don't even know when it when it comes out here wow because well, Leica is a very small production house yeah. right so they they don't really make they don't really spend all that time and money on marketing 
which is unfortunate because their movies tend to be pretty good. Yeah, we watched Caroline last week with the older niece and she, she talked the movie beyond belief because I thought, right. it, uh, not that it would bore her, but that she wouldn't connect with it. Yeah. And uh, she, she totally did. She really enjoyed the movie. She's, she's a Neil Gaiman fan in the, me in the yeah. making. <laughs> I thought about uh, gifting her a book. Oh, Kubo starts in October in Austria. All so right, still okay. Got a month. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Make sure you put that on your list. And it's called Kubo the Brave Samurai here. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. I mean, well, the, 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 the two strings. I mean, to be fair, the, the two strings as a part of the title doesn't really give you all that much. But it is a part of the movie. Like, it's a part of the movie that goes back to the heart of the movie. But you need to think about it a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, losing that part, I think to me, doesn't, doesn't really... You know, if it was called Kubo, the, what was it, the Brave Samurai? Yeah. Maybe it'll actually draw in more people because they'd want to see a movie about a samurai. But you're seeing a movie about a guy with two strings, you're like, uh, okay, what? You know, it just yeah, doesn't make sense. That sounds like some, you know, an episode of an amazing serial? Like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? <laughs> and or? Te yeah, but even Temple of Doom yeah, is like compelling, you know, it's got, it's got a... Doom. It's got a, it's got an intensity about it. The two strings, it's like, what do we got? Hair strings? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> so cool. But anyway, put that on your list of things to watch. All right. So anything else in movies? I think we covered most of what was happening in the movie world. I think we need to talk about Stranger Things, right? Yeah. He's talking about Spielberg and the 80s. I think yeah. the Stranger Things was just phenomenal. It was under the radar to a large extent on Netflix. Um, again, you know, not so much in terms of advertising and stuff of uh, Stranger Things, but word of mouth has been great. Yeah. And I watched it, I think I finished watching it like a week or two ago, and it's still still one of the coolest things I think I've seen on Netflix in a while. Yeah, it's amazing to see uh, how many people come out of, how, who really enjoyed it at first, and now after after a certain period come come out with the criticism of it. Yeah? yeah. So what, what kind of... What kind of criticisms are you hearing the biggest thing is um vanilla rider's character doesn't get shown before how 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 the character worked before will was uh, abducted mm -hmm. which i think i don't agree with that though no. because you get flashbacks actually yeah of, of her and will together yeah and all the conversations and how the the few interactions she has with with the sheriff and uh the guy she works for at the store Mm -hmm. um, you 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 clearly see, or you get an, an an echo, so to say, of who and how how she she operated before the series started. Yeah, which which was interesting in itself, right? Because she goes full freak out, obviously, yeah. in the show when her son gets abducted. But when she goes and she's interacting with people, even though she's freaking out, people are still giving her the benefit of the doubt for the most part. Because, like you said, there's an echo of who she, that she was, you know, they're, they're like, okay, this is not a crazy woman by default. Yeah. So I'm going to give her a little bit of leeway, you know? <laughs> so, I, you know, that's what I think. I think it, as a show, I think overall it was very tightly, like the, the writing was very, was very good in yeah. terms of putting that whole story together. And the editing was really tight in terms of how it put, put it all on the screen. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think it showed you enough of what she was like when, you know, before the abduction to, to not make her like a one-dimensional crazy character or two-dimensional crazy, crazy character as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was cool. I mean, okay. 
Throw, throw another criticism at me and I will defend this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other thing was the... Um, how, how was she called? Uh, Barb? Barb's Barb, device? Yeah. yeah. That's a valid criticism. But then, you know, I expected... I, I expected it. Uh, yeah. As soon, well, as soon as she disappears. Yeah, I mean, but that's also... What was so cool about Stranger Things was it took the conventions of a lot of, like, the horror genre... Yeah. And like the 80s adventure genre and like what we loved about those things and played with them a little bit. Yeah. And so Bob was the character that needed to die, you know? <laughs> so spoilers yeah, for Stranger Things if you haven't seen it. Um, but, you know, the intensity and the gravity of the situation needs to be illustrated by a character. And I think yeah. they put... I actually think Bob was done really well in the sense yeah. that... they had they, a great actress. They had a great actress. They set up her relationship yeah. with, um, I can't remember her name now, but the, the other main girl. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they set up the relationship. They showed the loyalty of Bob, yeah. but they also showed the loneliness of Bob, and they really made you feel for her. Yeah. And then they killed her. You yeah. know? And it's, it, was done, it was done really um, in a really, really emotional way. Like that scene of what else was, was happening in the background while Bob was sitting on the, yeah. um, on the, at the oh, pool, you yeah. know, it's just, it's, it was a very relatable situation and it was already so sad and depressing and then gets even worse. Yeah. And it was almost poetic because the, oh, was it not Will, his brother was taking the photo of her next to the pool. And yeah, it, it which even like, I thought was creepy. But it anyway. was creepy, but, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's it's established that he was. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, I mean, was, I fully understand the situation, but I can see yeah, yeah, yeah. how it's, that comes across as creepy. creepy. It, it, it felt like um, you know he's taking a photo of her so to to make her feel more more real and then recognized in the yeah in, in this bad situation. So kind of a, yeah. a, a pat on the back through making through a, photography yeah, um creepy from yeah. photography in, but it's also yeah. like yeah it's like it's 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 becomes one of those ominous photos now you know yeah it's like you know the last photo of her before she gets ripped apart by a demagogan creature from the <laughs> yeah. upside down <laughs> but yeah it was just a phenomenal series like i really i just thought i thought even like even the the location with the cliff and that that lake below yeah. the cliff, like in the mine or whatever it was, the quarry, that location in itself was just it was used so well. Like it wasn't just a once-off thing. It's like oh, here's a cool location, let's just use it. And it was actually it became a part of the story in the longer term as well. And it looked so great in that scene when the kids are, are hugging each other. Yeah, and behind them's the the rest of the quarry, like like a mountain, yeah, enforcing their bond. Just looked yeah, so, that was so cool. great. No, it was the shots and the the um, the way it was put together was really good. Like I really really liked it as a show. Yeah, and child actors that didn't suck. Oh, they were great. the The acting on all levels I thought was really good. the The kids were were super super cute and really good actors. So it's yeah. a rare combination. I thought. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do because season two they said is going to take place a year later. Cause I think a year that, later, okay. I think it's a year later. Because like the, the, the boys, like one of them, um, their voice has already broken. Oh, I think the okay. one who plays Dustin. So yeah. they, they're going to wait for all of them to sort of catch up and sort of get, get through puberty a little bit and then they'll film the next season. So oh, It's so sad because I thought uh, 
or uh, I hope that it would play like uh, 10 years later or something like or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a year because yeah, it's going to pick up like where this one left off yeah. a little bit. So now that Will's back, uh, I'm pretty so the, it's this speculation, not so much spoiler, but I think um, you know they need to now get on the quest to find it at 11. Yeah. So I think I think that's going to be the next phase of this. Yeah. I don't think I don't believe I can't believe that she's dead. So. No, no, wow, that would be so. If she, if they really kill her, it would be so sad because she was such a likable character. It was yeah with the little things she did with her. Yeah, okay, good. She was uh, abused by the by the secret crazy, organization. Crazy doctors. Yeah, but it just pulled the right heartstrings. So yeah, get better. No, yeah, she played it. It was it was it was a very well acted out role. Like yeah. she, it was not over the top. It was kind of understated, but you could really feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all all around, like Stranger Things, one of the one of the most one of the most best shows. So <laughs> bad English. I need another coffee. Is what's going on right now? Um, yeah. So, so Stranger Things was awesome. Really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really surprised. All right. So anything else on the TV front that you've been watching? I see Justice League on here on, yeah, on just, the list of things to talk I about. Just rewatched a few episodes of the of the animated Justice League series. And it's amazing how how well that series aged, and uh, not just on a technical level, but on a on a writing level. I mean, Wonder Woman's characterization and and uh, Shaira's characterization could have been done done different through the 2016 lens and how far we've come. And what mm-hmm. what, what I also uh, realized was that uh, how how important logos on the on the chest of superheroes are. Why? <laughs> because <laughs> Doctor Fate looks like he just has. Uh, one uh, a mono breast, so to say. Yeah. While every other character who has a logo on his breast looks like he has the the little cavity between his two <laughs> between the, right. the breast plates, <laughs> and then Doctor Fate comes in, and the first thing I ask is, has he already scheduled the operation to get, <laughs> to get a dual boob, so to say? <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting thing to take away yeah. I like it it <laughs> <laughs> was the first thing I realized when I saw the, the episode where the Amazo cyborg uh, returns but because he also has the mono the mono chest right yeah but I think you know for a lot of male characters that that's normal right it's to just have yeah, one yeah. one line across the yeah. breast or the chest in this case but as soon just as to a, say I've got pectoral muscles <laughs> I just felt like as soon as a logo is there you just paste you assume the, yeah. The physique. <laughs> yeah. Well, still a great series. Yeah. I mean, that was the Paul Dini series, right? Yeah. For the for the original Justice League. What I really liked about that series um, was all the stories happen in two episode. Yeah. So each story arc is over two episodes. So every two episodes, it's a new story arc, which is great for when you're watching it like on a Saturday morning and you and you just want like one complete story. Yeah. Because you 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 know there's a definite amount of. Um, time that you can put in and get yeah, a full story yeah. yeah so that was cool yeah that was a that was a fun show and all the paul paul dini bruce tim stuff was really cool so the only sad thing was i watched the task force sx episode after i watched suicide squad yeah and i thought why didn't they get the guys who wrote the episode and it was dwayne mcduffie and darwin cook <laughs> Both all right <laughs> oh right well that, that's why <laughs> it was a real bummer that's why yeah 
I did we did you watch the Killing Joke? So it's not a TV, I guess, review, but no, the no, animated movie. But I'll, I'll um, I refuse to watch that. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I've, as, as much as I want to watch it, I'd rather just reread the book because yeah, yeah. I've heard it's not all that great. So, um, all right, cool. So let's move on then. Um, a- anything else happening from a TV side? I mean, I've been watching BoJack Horseman season three. I've been enjoying that. Yeah, I do you watch? Do you watch BoJack? I watched. Uh... The first two or three episodes, and then Rick and Morty came along, and that took a right. long time. <laughs> yeah, Bojack's Bojack's really um, it's a very different show. Obviously, it's not superheroes, yeah. but it's it's pretty cool. Um, if you haven't gotten into it, definitely do. What I saw of it, I liked a lot. Yeah, if you're interested in like you know those that kind of that Hollywood story, it's yeah. it's more of a Hollywood California West Coast kind of thing. But Bojack as a character is extremely, and all the characters in the show actually are very well drawn out. Really interesting to watch. And just the puns, this puns, the animal puns and jokes yeah. that are in that show. It's just amazing. There's so much going on, like not just what they're saying, but even in the background. Um, it's hilarious. Have you finished uh, the, the, the third season? No, I'm like okay. halfway through the third season. Now. Okay. It's really cool. Anyway, you should, uh, I'll let you get into that and then we can discuss later okay. on. <laughs> All right, so all right, so that's pretty much TV then, right? I don't think there's anything else that's going on since the last time. So, what have you been reading? Uh, I've started um, Life Debt, which is a Star Wars, a Star Wars novel. Uh, it continues the other book Chuck Wendig wrote uh, that sh- should have acted as a as a prequel for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But what's it called? That's a, that's a good question. I don't know what the first book was called because I haven't I haven't finished it yet. Uh, because What's the current book called? Uh, Life Debt. Life Debt. Uh, around uh, Kashyyyk, the the Wookiee planet, and how mm-hmm. how they'll kick the Imperial forces off that planet. All right. It, it features Han Solo and and Chewbacca, but I I can't get into into the books into those two books. Right. I, I don't is know. it? Why is that? Why? I, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed all the other Star Wars books that came beforehand. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I'm just burned out uh, on Star Wars because I can't get into into Bloodlines either. I'm like right. halfway through that book, and none of those grabs me like like all the other like all the other books we got before The Force Awakens. Right. And are these canon now? So they're they, they... canon, yeah. Right. Okay. But there's a a, a novel called Beast by an author. Uh, who's called Paul Kingsnorth. Right. It's about a guy uh, leaving London, I think, to uh, live in the wild, so to say. And he mm-hmm. he slowly goes mad. And it's only 300 pages. Wow. It's a really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a haunting thing because uh, at the beginning it feels like, yeah, that's the thing uh, one should do to get in tune with himself again and with, right. with, the, with the actual world. But as uh, the novel progresses and uh, things are brought up, you also see the, the the thing more critical to take oneself out of, of civilization like that. So it, it becomes it becomes a bit of a it becomes too real for him, or you mean just in terms of mentally? Yeah, just uh, the the issues with with leaving uh, people behind. He leaves behind his wife and his his unborn kid at that at that point, mm-hmm. uh, and just the 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 ego the egomanical proportions. Right. That you that you that you kick off for for not just not it's it's not you you don't affect yourself with that decision to to leave 
uh, your, right. your old life, so to say, but you you affect a, a lot of things uh, around you. And when you come back, can you can you get back into the wheel? Are you right. able to get back into the wheel? And also his his mental breakdown because that also gets emphasized in the writing because wow. he 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 loses words and uh, it's just such a such a such a descent into into the madness that comes into the madness of yeah it. into the whole self finding trip. The madness of self-discovery. Is that, yeah, oh, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a great counterpoint to stories like Wild and like you know all those ones where people kind of like leave leave civilization yeah. to find themselves in the woods, and it's such a great cathartic kind of dis- journey of self-discovery. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of the counterpoint to that. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it, it romanticizes cool. the the whole notion of of going off the grid at, at mm-hmm. first, but as it progresses, you really get a sense for that you have to keep yourself anchored to, to something. You can't just go out into the wild by yourself. You, yeah. you need an anchor because otherwise yeah. you go mad. Okay, that's quite interesting. And what's this? Uh, it's a short story, right? So what's it called? Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Beast. Beast by who? Uh, Paul Kingsnorth. Paul Kingsnorth, and okay. It's, actually, it's it's part of a series. The first novel is called The Wake and it plays in, in, in ancient England and is about uh, the English fending off the invasion of whoever got there uh vikings okay i don't know yeah i'm like i'm struggling to remember my my history of yeah uh, <laughs> of the invasions now but i think the romans were there and they conquered the the local english tribes and they drove them out uh and then when the romans left the vikings came i believe is how that were because then the vikings became they were the saxons and then yeah, the saxons um, were, fought, were were fighting against the um the, the french effectively uh, the normans Set in the three years after the Norman invasion, The Wake will tell the story of a fractured band of guerrilla fighters who take up arms against the invaders. So it's the ah, okay. So the they're Saxons. The yeah. yeah. So it's the Saxons versus the Normans. Okay, which is cool. Uh, three years after the Norman invasion. Interesting. Does it say what year it's set in? Is it after uh, 1066? Ten, it's after 1066, yeah. Uh, so, it's, so it's after William the Conqueror. So this is my, this is my high school history oh, coming up. Oh, nice. <laughs> So it's after William the Conqueror um, defeats the Saxons. Because that's, that's effectively, that was the year 1066. That was the Battle of Hastings, which effectively kicks off modern, not so much modern, but like English history. So it's a year that we all are taught to remember in um, Anglo-centric history lessons. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't have those. So I'm, I just know that the Normans were there, but not the year. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a great show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. And the Last Kingdom, I think, it, yeah. So there's, uh, there's, it's Viking invaders fighting their way through England, and all of the English. So it's kind of, you know, England itself is was several different kingdoms yeah. joined together, who are, and those were English kingdoms. But the Vikings are uh, effectively sweep through from the yeah. from the north to the south, and they defeat all the English kingdoms and take them over. And the last one that's left is down by like modern day Plymouth. Yeah, and uh, and Exeter, um, so that's the Last Kingdom, and it's a story of the fight back, effectively, uh, and it follows the story of one English kind of prince or like noble kid who was taken hostage and raised as a Viking son in the Viking oh. family, and he realizes so, his heritage. Yeah, so he he knows his heritage both ways, but he feels oh, okay. that he's more Viking than he is English, but he's also English, and he's got claim to his father's lands, and so. His the story is told through his eyes and his journey between the two kingdoms or between the two forces. 
So it's on Netflix. It's actually an old show. I think it's like from BBC or something called The Last Kingdom. It's really, it's done quite well. Very, okay. very, very interesting show. Yeah, it's something, uh, it's a good alternative because recently I started watching um, Merlin and the Robin Hood shows that the BBC did a while ago. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, I mean, they are not horrible, but they're not historically accurate. accurate. Yeah. Those are a little bit, those are a little bit B grade in terms of their quality as yeah. well, I thought. Whereas the, this one comes across like a good show from Showtime or something. Like it's not quite HBO production, but it's very, um, it's very authentic and it's very, it's very real. And I think historically it's close enough. So the, the main king at the time, I think, was like Alfred the Great or something, which is a, I can't remember his name specifically, but it does a good job to sort of, you know, just sort of show that, that history and how, how all of that came about. Nice. So definitely worth checking out if you're, if you're interested in that kind of story. So that, that sort of came out of nowhere. I only randomly watched that because it was available on Netflix in Australia like last year. Yeah. And I was watching Netflix at my brother-in-law's house and um, he started watching it. So we just ended up watching the whole thing while I was in Australia at the nice. time. Um, and then I came back to America and it wasn't available here. So I couldn't, I couldn't recommend it to people. But I just had a look and it's actually available on American Netflix for the last couple of weeks. So I think, um, yeah, if you're, if, if you're in the US and you want to watch that, definitely, definitely check it out. I don't know if it's available in Europe. It's available in Europe. I, I added it, it to my Netflix watch list. Okay. We get less, but we get some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely check it out. It's good. Awesome. And then, um, yeah, so from my point of view, like for my reading list, yeah. I just finished the Expanse uh, series for the five books that are out. And this is the fastest I've ever read something. I am yeah. cheating, though. I'm doing it on audiobook. I was at the Siri thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great because I can, I can do the audiobooks while I'm multitasking and, like, uh, walking somewhere yeah. or, you know, like, in transit. So it's really cool. And um, the expanse, the story, the characters... Really, really awesome. I'm really enjoying that. And the season two trailer came out as well, which will cover some of uh, book two and the remainder of book one, I guess, from the from the books of the book series. The season two TV show starts, I think, in the next next couple of weeks as well. So I'm really okay. excited for that. So if you want to see Game of Thrones set in space with <laughs> awesome space action, because once you've once you've read The Expanse and like seen how the space battles happen, because it all happens in zero gravity. And oh, the, okay. um, the show does such a good job to sort of do the zero gravity because that's really hard to do. But they yeah. use, I mean, if you've watched the behind the scenes, they use wire work and stuff like that. It's just phenomenal because you can't watch another science fiction show where they're having a battle in space and not compare it to say, oh, this is not going to work the way it should work. Because The Expanse really does um, a lot of, they pay a lot of attention to the physics of how stuff would actually work. If you had to have like a fist fight in zero gravity or fire a gun in zero in zero gravity and even like um this the speed of the speed and energy implications of like moving small things at high speed and yeah. the the impact it would have on bodies and ships and planets you know really cool and uh, you know you were talking before about you know um we're talking about steven spielberg and showing those large large world changing events yeah. but shown how it affects people at the small scale that's what the expanse does really well because this the story involves like universe changing things there is like the scope of every book just gets bigger and bigger and bigger but the story is always told 
from the personal point of view of a couple of specific characters. Oh, that's great, yeah. And he, so, so you see what's happening from their perspectives, and it's yeah. really done really well. That sounds great. Yeah. So I really recommend it. I mean, if you, if you like sci-fi, this is like great, great sci-fi. Do you prefer the books over the, the series? Well, I would just want to re-watch the first series because I, um, I watched season one and then I read the books. So far, the show is very close to the books, but they've adapted the show to fit into the TV uh, format. So okay. there are parts of season one that cover things that happen in book two and three, but you can understand why they brought it in because it'll be really hard to show the wider context of what's happening in the show if you only focus on the characters that book one has, yeah. if you know what I mean. So it's done really well because what that means is over time they will show you all those characters and those arcs as we go towards all five books that have been released and the four that are still to come. But uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an epic saga, let me tell you. Like There's so much of, so much of stuff that, I'm, that I've imagined in my head and yeah. now I just want to see how they do it on screen because it's just going to be phenomenal. Really cool. So yeah, the, the Expanse, definitely worth checking out. And now that I've um, finished the Expanse, I've started on World War Z. So I've got continuing my, my Audible subscription. Oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm doing World War Z. So it's crazy because um, I've got a friend in the UK who's got um, Audible as well. And he, the, the versions of World War Z in the UK and the US are different. So they don't have the same version of the book, which okay. is crazy. So his version it, uh, has a different... Uh, set of like I'll, I'll call it cast right but the narrators are different compared to my version I've got like a uh, my version has like Mark Hamill and like Nathan Fillion and you know it's like this all-star cast yeah um, which is really fun and this, the book is written as a series of interviews with the different people who are involved in the war and it's not kind of following one character through a journey it's, it goes and does, it's got short stories effectively from all these multiple people who are involved and had different things to do yeah. with the zombie infestation and uh, virus outbreak and stuff like that. And so it interviews them and it gives you like little chunks of story from here and there and you assemble the overall story out of their smaller stories. It's done very well, very compelling and very visceral in the way the descriptions of, because, you know, when you hear people telling the story of what they saw when the outbreak happened, it really, it really paints a very realistic picture. Like it's quite, it's done quite well. Yeah. Have you already heard the part how, how, how Israel uh, reacted to the, to the zombie outbreak? So I just finished that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about the book and it's so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, it comes across, you know, it, um, you can, you know, it comes across as very realistic and yeah. I saw the movie as well. So I, I've seen cause how, how that plays out in the movie. Um, it's very interesting the way it's done. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think of it yet because yeah. the book, again, I'm only a couple of hours in, so a couple of chapters in, so I'm not sure how it will play out in the very end, but yeah, yeah it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, from what I heard, they pay a lot of attention to, to details, so like uh, the zombies, all the people that died in the water or became zombies in water and the, the zombies are still making their, their way to land because they can't uh, suffocate and, and, and it, it feels so yeah. detailed. The, the, it is very detailed in the sense of that because that's, yeah, that's not, so the zombies in the water are not an Israel-specific thing, yeah, no, no, but, but where it comes from is 
um, effectively through people smuggling. And it's really funny because it's refugee people smuggling. And so these refugees who were fleeing countries that had zombie infestations and then ended up turning while they were on the ship and the captains of the ships would just either leave them on a deserted island if they could find one or just toss them overboard, right? So they would just like empty the cargo hold of people into the sea. And because they were zombies, they then would slowly (laughs) work their way back towards land. And so... There are stories of you know people at the beach and then zombies are just kind of walking out of the ocean, and that's how and that's part of how the infestation spread around as well. The book is actually written ten years after the war first started, I yeah. believe. So it, so they so you know they're, they're now in a place in the world where things are stable and they've effectively contained the zombie infestation. Uh, and so this one sort of journalist goes around the world and starts interviewing the people who are involved. So that's kind of the premise of the book. And so they tell the stories, and so they talk about those sorts of things which happened. Uh, but yeah, it's very well thought out so far. So I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Oh, cool. It's good to hear. Yeah. I, I, have so, it, I have it somewhere on my shelf, but I haven't come around to, to reading it yet. Yeah, definitely, definitely give it a go. Definitely give it a go. <laughs> All right, so that's, that's our recommendations for, uh, for episode six. So that's a lot of them. I've, I've made you write down a lot of things, Martin. Oh, <laughs> the list is not as long as I imagined it will, it will become. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, that's it. Hopefully we've got a full take and we didn't lose any data and files on episode six this time around. <laughs> the backup recording is still working. Well, at least mine awesome. is still working. Awesome. Yeah, my, my backup recording is still going as well. It's now at 300 meg, so... <laughs> awesome so yeah so um thanks everyone if you stayed ahead because we I think we went for like two hours this time or slightly longer 216 but yeah. i think we need to cut out the first 15 minutes or so yeah, for yeah, us, yeah, which yeah. is just yeah. us setting up so we'll see we'll see how, how that goes out but uh yeah thanks for sticking around with episode six and look forward to catching you next time until then until then bye ciao